Well, hi there. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan with pureandsimplebible.com, and you are in a mini-series on the family altar, specifically on building it. And we have talked about ancient altars. We've talked about building a good mindset plus practice of the family altar at home. But now it's time to talk about some practical tips. It's really good to hear information. You get really excited about it, but then implementing it can often be a challenge. So uh, Timothy and I are going to talk some more about the family altar today. I'm going to suggest some tips for you. They do start with self because you've got to get self right before you can help others. And with these six tips, it's not the be-all, end-all of the family altar, but hopefully it'll get you started right so that you can be inspired to lead your family to the family altar. Let's jump in, shall we? Give us some, give us, if you, if someone needs it, and that's fine, give us some extra motivation for implementing this. Let's say, I don't know, there's still some hesitancy or, um, you know, it doesn't seem like it's necessary or needed. Oh, our family's a little bit different. We do it this way and. You know, I think that we should all be accepting of challenge. And so, you know, I remember you mentioning this. If you're already doing this, great. Maybe there's a way to still improve it. Yeah. I mean, like, if we're not kind of looking critically at things. Right. Then, yeah, we do. We can't help but get a little bit more relaxed. And so give us some motivation for implementing. Okay. Um, I'm going to speak to the general home. Right. And so, again, you've got to use the rocks you have if your home doesn't look like what I might describe. But I'm talking to a home where there is a dad and there is a mom and there are kids. Um, But dads, this is husband, dad, this is your time. It's your time to lead. You've got to step up. You've got to take on this role because no one can do what you can do. I don't care how eloquent a preacher is, how, uh, I guess, relatable their favorite teacher is, et cetera, their coach. No one can do what dad does. There's no one as handsome, as strong, as smart, as wise in your kid's eyes as dad. And so you've got to be ready to lead. And and you may have never sung a song in your life outside of church. You may have never read the Bible, whatever. We're going to talk about some tips in here in just a moment, but you've got to do it. And mom, you've got to support him. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to put down your things and and back up your man when he's ready to do it. And that might mean that you love having a clean sink at the end of the night. But dad's ready for family worship and there's a sink full of dishes. And instead of you saying, y'all just do it without me, mm-hmm. you drop the rag and you get in there and you be a part of family worship. You support him, you back him up. And, and in doing that, you are reinforcing that the whole family is involved in this. So that's the motivation is just do it. I'm thinking about uh, the growing kids God's way and the family identity. Yes. And yeah, your family is going to be identified internally and externally in some way. Uh-huh. Maybe they're a little bit different. Uh-huh. By doing nothing, you will be identified in a certain way. Yes. And so, you know, we it's like we get to pick how we want to identify ourselves. Uh-huh. And this is a great way um, to have a family identity that is, about worshiping God and being consistent and encouraging each other because it's, man, it's not fun rebuking and trying to correct behavior 
Um, right. Shepard, do you love your brother? <laughs> Why can't he have that Lego? <laughs> really? Yeah. And so, you know, that's even, it's not necessarily family worship, that's just parenting, but like, I mean, I'm I'm not lying. Like that is the way a lot of our day goes. Is mm-hmm. trying to bring them back to you know these principles of of loving others and being a servant. And I mean, yep. we we very purposefully named our first son Shepherd, so that that would be something that was hopefully he would grow into and feel called to do to others. And so, um, you know, we tell him I tell him a lot, man. You have the hardest job. Being the older brother, it ain't fun. You got to wait on all kinds of things. I tell but you know what else? You get to do everything before your other brothers. And so there's blessings that you you know, by being the older one. But all I'm getting at is, you know, trying to have these conversations regularly. And yeah. so that when, and it might not seem that they're sinking in. Because some they, they don't seem like they're sinking in recently. But, <laughs> you know, sometimes you get a little bit, a little bit of a view into them. Sure making a good decision or acting like the Lord. So we don't want to make excuses. Right. That's the first tip. If I had tips, you know, I have six tips on getting started. So you're going to sing and pray and have Bible time with your kids and and maybe, or your family, maybe you do it after dinner. That's when we like to do it. Maybe you're going to do it uh, at breakfast or maybe whenever it is. Yeah. So what you just said is, No excuses. That's number one. And so we're going to go ahead and catch everybody right now. (laughs) You're not about to come up with one. That is good enough. (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got one. Yeah, right. There's no excuse that's good enough to not serve God. We get that. We get that with worship. We get that with daily living. And what I'm suggesting is our families have to prioritize God first. There's no excuse. Um, The excuse of I'm not good enough. That's just an excuse. You are good enough. You're what your family needs. Uh, the excuse that we, we were, our family's too small or our family's too big or our family's too diverse. It's just an excuse. The, the one I've heard the most, the one you've suggested uh, and the one that I have the problem with in my own home is we're too busy. That's just the American way. We, we think that because we're doing things, it's a full life. You know what's really crazy about this mm. corona crisis is I feel like more people are waking up to reality than they ever have. And it's kind of like I'm not happy that the the, the awful things are happening. I don't want to glorify that at all. But I can't help but be thankful that I have more time. I see more people baking bread than I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I see people out on walks. Our parks are packed right now yeah. because of time. And the excuse of we don't have enough time, if ever we could say it, that that one doesn't count, it's right now because you have so much time. I say this with a heavy heart. When you do that, you're putting a price on your kid's soul. Yeah, I, I don't have time to invest in that. And man, oh man, what are you gonna what are you gonna give up to make it happen? Because you know, we get accustomed to a certain lifestyle, and we need to. We feel like we need to maintain that. But like you're saying, it's these are heavy questions that 
I mean, I'm, I'm saying it as a husband and a father, that I've got to consider to maintain, not maintain, but yeah, maintain the direction that I want my family to go. And if it means changing job, if it means doing something to take, you know, so that I've, I'm at home more and get to spend more time with them and direct them in the way that God would have me direct them. Yeah. It's got to happen. No excuses. Well, let me share another tip with you um, that's on the heels of no excuses. If you're ready to stop making them, uh, Timothy and everybody else who's listening, um, you need to repent. That's tip number two. Notice both of these tips for the family altar, they're starting out with introspection. And it's just like with our mindset. You start with self, you fix self before you fix family. Um, you can't hope to fix your family if you haven't fixed yourself. And so dad, husband, uh, home leader, whoever you may be, if you have been making excuses, repent. And, you know, when I talk about repentance, I don't think it has to be this process that's massive as far as like you, you have to sacrifice a pound of flesh and give up and live an aesthetic lifestyle to prove that you're sorry. You want to prove that you're sorry. You tell your family you're sorry and you start doing what's right. Repentance means change. And so I've had to in the past repent to my wife for not being a good husband. And I've had to ask her forgiveness. I've had to repent in front of my children. Our table, we have a round table. This is kind of a tangent, but um, as head of the home, I really wanted a round table because I wanted us to have a common, everybody's kind of around it together. And so we have a little house and our table fills up the kitchen space, but I like how we're all there. And that time, I think, has probably been one, if not the most special for me as a dad, is the time around the table. Mm-hmm. But to repent and ask forgiveness of one of my kids, it's uh, it's very humbling to have griped or shouted just in the moment. You know, maybe I was super busy and somebody came up and was like, dad, 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 dad. And I was just like, stop, you know. But I wouldn't do that to a adult or anybody else for some reason i think it's okay to Uh, scream uh, that way at my child uh so at dinner that night i'll just look over and say gabriel i shouldn't have acted that way will you please forgive me and of course he's what are you talking about (laughs) he's like i don't even know what you're talking about (laughs) the point is when we repent from not being the leader of our home to not being the the one who's helping build the altar and saying guys we're going to change that's going to speak volumes and so don't make it be this thing where you have to, you know, give, like I keep saying, give a pound of flesh, but just repent, tell them it's going to change and get started. I love it. Third tip would be making it a priority. Yes. Um, now, we've talked about other activities, so it's maybe it's kind of bleeding into the same thing. But the, the point is, busyness does not equal godliness. Yeah. And so <clears throat> setting a schedule. You might be the family that can do this a little bit more on a whim and you can have full involvement. And that's like you said, a go with the flow family earlier. That's great. Right. Don't change it. If it's if you're having success. Right. And everybody's on board. Wonderful. You have a family altar and it seems to be working for you. And that would kind of lead into being flexible. Yes. That's the fourth tip. Being flexible. So even though, you know, we want to make it a priority. We're going to be just going to be really defensive about it. Like, I am now looking at soccer and baseball and other activities as uh, 
things that are now jockeying for the attention of the souls of my children. They are morally neutral, and I want my kid to be good at sports. I think especially team sports are so healthy. Preach. Um, <laughs> so I'm all about team sports. I love them, and they, they will help Gabriel be a man, and, and they'll help my girls become women. But they are also uh, struggling for the, the, the attention of my kids, and so I am going to be very jealous of that family time to make sure that I get it, whether it's daily or consistently. But like you just said, um, we're leading into the, the fourth, is it number four? I can't remember. Yeah. I'm being flexible. Yeah. yeah, some days don't work. Don't try. Uh, remember, this is mindset plus practice. You take out the mindset and you just try to do the rote acts on their own. It's not its purpose. And, you know, we've had some Wednesdays where we come home and Penelope wants to do family worship and we're getting home from Wednesday worship already <laughs> and it's 1030 at night and I'm like, I can't do it. So Penelope needs to be flexible with me. There's other times where um, I want to do it and it's maybe Saturday at seven, but they have been playing in the yard and they are just dog tired and we sit down to do family worship and I get started and they are asleep. Like they literally fell asleep during the prayer. <laughs> And, you know, I'm not going, wake up and shaking them. Because, Worship the Lord. <laughs> you know, repent, you six-year-old. Uh, I just, we have to be flexible. So make it a priority. And then when it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But start over the next day. Okay, this is my prelude into tip number five. A certain young child of mine <laughs> is quick to raise his voice. And he has modeled that behavior uh -huh. after his father. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm convicted by, you know, we we try to do our best. I mean, I think we're in a good mood. Sunday mornings, not every time. But by the time we've gotten to the car, you know, and the dust has settled from getting uh -huh. the crock pot and everything in there, uh -huh. <laughs> that, you know, okay, we can put on acapella and we can be in a, a reasonably good mood. And we always try to, you know, when we're turning around and, you know, we're talking, man, we're so excited to go worship. But that isn't, that's not always the sentiment. Yeah. And so the children, they're going to pick up on the the behavior of mom and dad. And so if mom and dad are, all right, let's go. Let's get in the living room. Let's, yeah. Do you have your song picked out? It better be a good one. You better, right. lead, you better, you better pitch it right tonight. Shepherd. <laughs> so you're using extremes, but you're yeah. making a great point that children are very perceptive. And if we're not modeling a joyful spirit, not just in this family worship time, but just in life. Right. Of course, we have uh, moments where we're stressed and we snap. That shouldn't be who, what we're known for. But yeah, uh, we got to model the right. That's tip number five. Model the right attitude. Expect the right attitude. Mm. And the expectation should be for the age. So I'm not expecting a two-year-old what I expect out of a 16-year-old. A two-year-old might need to be upside down during family worship, right? So they're just going to be sitting on their head the whole time. But if they're there and they're listening, that's great. A 16-year-old, I'm probably not going to let them sit on their head, right. you know. And a 16-year-old may be huffing and puffing and kind of like turn to the side because maybe they they just got off work or they just got out of practice and they're tired or this, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. We expect you to be as engaged as you can. Our our kids, um, they like to curl up in a ball 
I don't know why. I'm a dog person with three cat children, and it's <laughs> really hard sometimes. But uh, so they curl up in these little balls when we're singing, and they'll just kind of like check out. Huh. And so we're constantly having to expect better behavior, better seating posture, because we're not like Von Trapps. You know, I'm not going like <laughs> with a whistle and expecting them to sing. But like I expect you to be able to at least be able to sit in a breathing position when you sing. When I'm reading the Bible, I expect your eyes to be engaged. So um, we're going to be flexible with it, but we're going to expect good behavior during family worship. So do or don't have iPhones out? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, during the Corona crisis, if somebody's away, then it's okay. But no, no, there's no Angry Birds going on during did I just reveal my age? I don't think people play that anymore. They play Angry Birds. Words with friends. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Get on their TikTok. There we go. And so you could, I would round out these tips with the idea of persevering. Yeah. And that, especially as you might be beginning this practice uh-huh. this month, next month, soon, hopefully it's going to get, it's going to rise for a while. Right. Like you're saying, all these tips are kind of building up to this idea of you have to start somewhere mm-hmm. and you're you're working towards a point of it, you know, of helping define uh, your family and yeah. not just being something that, you know, we do it this way. And, you know, there's this means I don't know, it's not working so well. No, the idea is to persevere through the things that are going because the devil's going to try to make he's going to try to fill up your schedule. Right. And make the things yeah. happen that. Oh, it, it's not going to be good for the Ballard family uh-huh. to do family worship. Uh-huh. So persevere through, um, you know, your goal here. What would you say to that? Well, like anything spiritual, you typically start out on fire and cool slowly. You know, when we got baptized, each of us, we were on fire. And then maybe we had a period of cooling. And it, it could have been that you were on fire for a year or two or a month or two, whatever the time is. I think we're we're comfortable with that idea. And the same is true with the family altar is you, you may be listening to this and you get really excited. You take down a bunch of notes. You get your family together for a 45 minute family worship service and your two year olds crying three minutes into it. You got a diaper blowout and you're like, oh, man, you know, this isn't what I thought it would be. So persevere, uh, maybe especially with small kids, start small. You know, don't. Yeah, expect- not 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. 15 <laughs> minutes, 10 minutes is just as healthy. As, sure. As, so time isn't the issue. Here. I was scratching my head. I was like, 45? <laughs> no. Just for <laughs> reference for y'all, you know, with our 10, 8, and 6-year-old, our family worship maybe lasts 20 minutes. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, um, with Bible studies, you know, I lead a lot of Bible studies, and everyone's really excited to do the first one, and they're pretty excited to do the second one. But usually by the third or fourth one, that's when we start getting the phone calls of, you know, I've got other things going on. So we're used to that idea of starting strong. And so my my I guess admonition to families is be prepared to do something simple. Consistently. That way, when the fire is lit and when the fire is cool, it's still just a part of your routine. And whether you're hot or cold, it's a part of it, because just like, you know, I know we're supposed to go to worship because we're supposed to stir one another up to love and good works and not forsake the assembling ourselves together. There's times when I I struggle with wanting to be there, maybe because of something that's happened Mm -hmm. and I'm having a relationship issue or whatever. But I still go because I know it's still healthy for me and I know it's what I need to do. The same as with the family altars. I'm still going to build it because it's what I need to do. 
Very good. Well, okay, so as we near the end here and kind of conclude, I want to revisit a couple of scriptures that you've brought up because if you've split this thing into two, we might have listened to them last week. And I, I want to hit them again. Okay. I'm going to read Deuteronomy 6, uh, 4 through 7. And man, anybody who knows about Andrew Martin SoundCloud, go, go listen to his recording of uh, Joey Hickey's Hero Israel. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Man, that really just... It fills up, man, everything that it is to be, mm-hmm. for me, I'm thinking about my role as the leader of a family, and that responsibility is weighing weighing on me heavily, but, you know, it's something that I, right now, you know, I'm excited, you know, to be that for my family, Yeah. of how uh, diligently I've got to be yeah. for all of them. There was also Ephesians chapter 6 and 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then the last one uh, was Matthew 18 and 6. Whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and were drowned in the depth of a sea. The great weight and um, admonition there to be diligent in this. I'm not going to be like, you know, I was thinking about uh, space shuttle. Uh... You know, Let the, me get... the, the space shuttle analogy that I gave in the sermon, I actually want to hold it off Got it. from this because I'm planning on continuing to preach this sermon and I got to have something. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> we already heard it all. <laughs> so, you know, there, there, I have an example from the uh, space shuttle and that's all I'm going to say about yeah. it. So, uh, if people want to know about it, then come to my gospel meetings throughout the remainder of the year. I'm probably going to be giving this wherever I go because it's usually very well received and needed by families. So you heard it once on the podcast. You'll hear it again, but you'll get to hear the space example. Got it. Jonathan, what the scriptures have convicted me of is that I must build a family altar to save my family. Right. That, That's my responsibility. That mindset and practice. Yes is it's essential. I'm not going to sit casually by hoping that my kids will be saved. And in doing so, I'm going to use the rocks that I, that I have. I'm mm-hmm. not going to try to make mine look like so-and-so over there. You know, I think it'd be foolish. Right. To it try to, I mean, it, it, always, it would be vain. That's what vanity is. It'd be vain to try to make my altar look like somebody else's. Right. Right. I'll say this too. You know, people out there might be concerned. Oh, you you're gonna uh, manipulate your children by, you know, constantly pressuring them to be like you, and whenever you grow up. And what I would respond to that would be: somebody's gonna pressure them. Somebody is going to influence them. And if I have searched for myself, and I have, what these documents are, and what they stand for, and the reasonableness of faith, etc., all of the things that that show me that the Bible is real and the Bible is true. And then I were to just casually say, you know what, kids, you just you find it out for yourself. That would go against mm. everything I believed in. So 
friend, if you think that you can just let your kids find their own faith, there's plenty of other options out there that desperately want your kids, and they're wrong. So do the right thing and train your family. Use the rocks you have. Thank you for letting me come in today and uh, get to sit on the other side. For our listeners, what would be your final word? Well, first I would say thank you for being a risk taker. No, 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 thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it was it was uh, a little bit challenging to be on this side of it, so I'm thankful for that opportunity. But again, um, you know, our concern and our conviction is that we reprioritize our families and empower our families. That's what I want to do is I want to empower our families to use the rocks they have to consider what God has done. I mean, so many times in the Bible, the book of Joshua, even, you know, from one generation to the next, if they didn't know the Lord, boom, one generation, they were gone. We're always one generation away. Mm. If you think about it, we're always one generation away from being gone spiritually. And so it's always up to each family to make their local congregation strong, to make their local community strong, to make the next generation strong. We have between us, between you and me, we have between our two families the opportunity to make the next generation six family strong. Mm -hmm. And I don't take that lightly, and I know you don't either. So final word to our, our families out there, be empowered. Think about what we've done and talked about in this and, and use it. Take those tips and use them and go forth. Build your rocks. Again, I want to express my gratitude to Timothy for being a risk taker. He did uh, come in here and had not really had any experience being the person who's off offering the questions. But uh, I'm thankful for him, grateful for him willing to do that so that I can share some good information with all of you. And if you want more on that, please contact me. You can email me at pureandsimplebible at gmail.com, and I'd be more than happy to talk to you about it. Now, I want to give a shout-out this week. Um, at the end of each series, you know, so usually every other episode. In this case, it's every three episodes. Uh, but at the end of each mini-series, I want to give a shout-out to somebody who has been a big fan of the podcast and has uh, reached out to talk to me about it before. And so I want to give a special shout-out to my mom, Debbie Edwards. Not only did she help build the family altar for David and I whenever we were growing up, and her and my dad, uh, that is Doug, did an excellent job of raising us, but Mom has also been a fan of the podcast, and so she has uh, let me know whenever she likes episodes, and she's um, expressed a particular admiration for the ones with my dad but I'm very thankful for her and for her support and for getting to know her as a fellow laborer in Christ as an adult. So thank you, Mom, for listening. I love you, and I look forward to getting to share some more content with you in the future. Everybody else, I hope you have a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and I pray that this information would be meaningful to you. Until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you. Well, his room's in some trouble.